All right, KISS Army, welcome to the KISS FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today and letting us into your head. I hope we don't do any damage. This is a KISS-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope that you enjoy. All right, welcome to the KISS FAQ Podcast. I'm your host, Julian Gill. This is the last show of 2023. I want to thank Adam, North Carolina, Wade from Sacktown, Austin, Thomas, and hey, KISS FAQ. Um, just welcome to the show. And I want to just start off this episode today by saying thank you to everyone who's here watching us live, to everyone who's joined us for part of an episode and hung up, or one episode or however many episodes you know mm. i want to thank everyone who's joined us for an episode in 2023 but most importantly personally i want to thank you ken mark daniel mm. lonnie who's not here andrew andy everyone who's participated on this side of the screen as well you guys make my thursdays or whenever we do get together much more fun because it's great to hang out with you and talk kiss um i've really enjoyed doing these live shows this year because it's great to have a live audience to chime in and call us out when we're wrong um and also to to participate in the conversation and sometimes i get to cheat and just use the things that people are saying in the comments and i'm set to go so you know i do want to thank everyone i want to thank everyone also who um is tuning in to series three of the kiss faq song story series that did kick off Mm -hmm. on christmas day for the 12 days of kissmas this year so every day through january the 5th will be a new song story if you can't handle checking them all out each day you'll have plenty of material going forward to be able to go back and um listen to and you guys you want to say anything you know as we do our final show of 2023 no, I, I have to say, um, you know, I, I ditto what you said. And plus, you know, um, I just hope that uh, we can continue <laughs> onward here with this. But, you know, I, I got to thank KISS for, for giving us the amounts, uh, lots and lots of uh, subject matter to to go over. Um, without KISS, I don't, we would have never met. At all, no. so I gotta thank Kiss. But yeah, I I agree with you, Julian. The, the guys on the podcast and everyone that joins us here live and and you know even you know listens to maybe five seconds of our show, uh, you know it's all good. Um, so yeah, wealth and prosperity, hopefully, to everyone out there. Absolutely. Yeah, true that. True that. Uh, you put it. You 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 put you put it put it right right out there. The, the perfect message. We do enjoy doing this together. We all enjoy each other's company, and we do enjoy when you chime in with your comments in the live episodes. I would also like to thank um, all the other Kiss podcasts that I truly enjoy that they're still around. I mean, you have some podcasts that have been around for a long time, like Three Sides of the Coin and a few others. And uh, I still find myself listening to them from time to time, and I really enjoy them. And uh, I would also like to uh, uh, give a big thank you to you guys. Yes, we've said it before, but uh, I also enjoy these meetings or or, or these uh, meetups that we do uh, 
because there's no one around here that likes Kiss as much as I do. So this is my go-to thing when it comes to Kiss, and I hope we will continue for a few more years at least. We shall see. Mark, got anything? None. I think everybody said all that needs to be said. I mean, I obviously second and third it, of course. Uh, yeah, I've been having a great time doing this, and you know, I hope that we can continue doing it for a time to come. Still, you know, it's been great fun doing it, and uh, yeah, it, it will be interesting though to see how the dynamic of it, as far as topic matter, will if it'll change or if it'll be the same. Not a kisses sort of, you know, in retirement mode now. So. Well, let's see. I'm, I'm curious. Nothing's going to change because no, I don't want to freaking talk about avatars when there's no information about what it'll be. <laughs> you know, come on. Um, you know, and I, Daniel, thank you for mentioning the other podcast because, yeah. you know, I've been on a lot of other shows this year, obviously with Mask mm-hmm. Hysteria, you know, Ages of Rock, Podcast Rock City, Podcast, I think we did. I can't remember this year or last, but we did do an old episode and got it going this year. Um, Decibel Geek. You know, yeah, I like that one. There, there's a lot of good podcasts uh, out there. Um, and I have and- to say, Decibel Geek podcast is one of the best around. But it's mainly because the the the, the how do you say it? the the, um, dynamics? the two guy the dynamics between the two guys running the show. <laughs> I enjoy their, you know, their their talk with each other. They're back and forth to- that they do. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, I'm just getting warm up to English. I haven't spoken English for a week, so I'm a bit off in the beginning of every... It's almost the same at the beginning of every show. I'm a bit off, but but I'll come around. <laughs> yeah, you know, Chris and Aaron are great people and Three Sides as well, you know, had me on during the year. So, you know, thank you to all those other podcasts, you know, where we're not necessarily friends. Sometimes we compete with one another, but we're all talking about the same thing. We've all come together because of this band. Let's get into today's topic. Um, Ken and Daniel. Daniel, you yeah. came up with this, and Ken flushed it out a bit. Yeah. I, I, I came up with the topic, and Ken totally changed it. So, no, he, oh, he didn't, yeah. he didn't, no, he didn't totally change it. But, Added on. But I, I, in my mind, I was thinking, let the song go up against each other, but maybe mm. that's going to... At times, I may go too deep into subjects, so it's good that Ken um, came in and told, let's keep it simple. And Ken, what did you come up with? (laughs) Well, based on a a list of uh, Kiss albums from the 80s, uh, you had some competition as far as other albums that they released during the same year. Uh, for instance, something like uh, Creature of the Night would go up against, that was released in 82, we would put against another rock album, hard rock album of the same year, and that was released the same year, and kind of, you know, put them up against each other and, and see what we think, who, you know, who really wins that battle of those uh, albums, those two different artists. It's not going to always be the same artist. It'll be Kiss against this or that artist, uh, for certain years, so we were looking at all of the Kisses eighty, you know, eighties albums, starting with Unmasked and ending with uh, Hot in the Shade, and uh, kind of kind of discuss those against uh, whatever we came up with and uh, what we thought about, you know, which which album's the better one? 
Yeah, so that's going to be really tough starting in 1980. And I did want to just give a shout out the uh, graphic of the albums. I was too lazy to put that together myself, and I just <laughs> lifted that off uh, excessrock.com, did a ranking of the Kiss 1980s albums. So um, thank you to them for to probably taking five minutes that I could be bothered to do to just do a, a quick collage of the album covers. Mark, 1980, unmasked. Ken has selected it to go up against Black and back in black but um <laughs> let's just go around the table when you think about an album to put unmasked up against i mean i i certainly would not be putting them against probably the top seed of 1980 um that album i'd yeah. try and get something with a little bit well, more of a chance to have a conversation well this is the thing this is this is this is a perfect example of our friend ken here mr optimistic <laughs> Mr. You know, loves Kiss till the very end, delusionally thinks that Unmask has any prayer in hell against Back in Black as a, as a record, which it obviously has no prayer at all, even though Unmasked is probably one of my, you know, albums that I got into uh, later in the catalog, like later in collecting the catalog. And I really uh, grown to love that album. But no matter how much I love that album, it just doesn't stand a chance against Back in Black. I mean, Back in Black and Back in Black is like, you know, will always be remembered as one of the greatest rock records of all time. I mean, that's sold. It's, it's I think it's a diamond record here in Canada, which which is like very rare to sell that many albums here in Canada. And I think, and I, I don't even think that you know, Unmasked sold gravel in Canada, you know, compared <laughs> to that, you know. So, but that's you know. But that's not neither here or there. I mean, I still love the album regardless. But, you know, the, the, I, I think that it was also two different kind of mentalities at the time. I mean, you're talking about a band that lost a lead singer, got a new guy in and had to make a record of their career to get back on track, you know, to so that they wouldn't lose, you know, their fan base because they, they, they did do a great record, Highway to Hell, before that. And then next thing you know, they had to come up with even a better record to kind of convince people that they weren't done without Bon, right? And then you have Kiss, who were kind of, you know, kind of sitting on their laurels after getting a huge record contract, and, you know, they were sitting good, they were all rich all of a sudden, and then they didn't put as much effort into it as they probably could have. If they if there was a bit more urgency in their writing, then who knows how Unmasked could have turned out. Daniel, what would you be going with other than Black and Back in Black? Well, Unmasked was never one of my favorite Kiss albums to start off things with, but but uh, and against Back in Black, it doesn't stand a chance in hell. Um, but I think ACDC put out Back in Black, Back in Black, but pretty f not a long time after that, they started to lose their grip as well. And I think the last album that I enjoyed from ACDC was probably. Uh, that one from 1990 with Thunderstruck. What was Razor's, it? Edge. Oh, Razor's Edge. Yeah, mm -hmm. Razor's Edge. I think right. that was the last album that I really enjoyed from ACDC. So, uh, but Back, Back in Black is such a great album. <laughs> that wasn't me, by the way. Uh, <clears throat> Sorry. It's a great album, and Unmasked is one of the, in my, from my point of view, it's one of the weaker Kiss albums. I never liked the production. I never liked the pop thing that they went for. Um, I think they, you know, dropped the balls somewhat. And uh, well, while there still are some good songs on the album, like um, Magic Touch and maybe a few others, Back in Black is a whole lot better. But but when yeah, I, Magic when I, Tech. 
touches on Dynasty. Yeah, that's true. So there <laughs> probably ain't any good songs on Unmasked whatsoever. No, it's never been one of my favorites. And I, that's, I, I often mix up Dynasty and Unmasked because those two albums are pretty similar and uh, Unmasked is the weaker one of them. But um, I have to say that uh, this was a low point for Kiss from my point of view. And uh, Back in Black is a pretty good album. So Back in Black for me. And when I compared the albums, I I picked out a Motley Crue album. And I just looked at which Mm -hmm. album sold the most. And when I saw the numbers the Motley Crue album did, I thought, well, I'm not sure that's better than the album Kiss released. But 1980, Kiss didn't release any good material compared to ACDC. So 1980 goes to the other bands. But I think Kiss might win some of these years, but not 1980. Yeah, we'll have to see. I, yeah, and Jake, I just started looking at other albums released in 1980. So the way I kind of look at this, rather than putting it up against Back in Black, I mean, that's basically putting a toddler up against Mike Tyson in 1986. Um <laughs> It's it's just going to get a whooping. Um, so Ted Nugent, he'd been around since putting out album Solo since mm-hmm. 74. Um, and he had Scream Dream, which is not a very good album. Um, Cultosaurus Erectus, Blue Oyster Cult, they'd mm-hmm. been around, um, obviously. You know, Ken, you're, you've been digging like in. That so, yeah, um, well, that doesn't help the, the conversation. Thank you. Animal Magnetism, Scorpions, oh, they've been yeah. around for a while. Yeah. That, to me, is not one of their better albums. Um, hmm. I can't go on through the night because they that was their first album, so they're not established. Jesus Priest, British Steel, that's as mm. bad as putting it up against Back in Black. <laughs> so, um, basically, there's no way Unmasked is beating anything essentially released in 1980 there's just no way for me to spin that around Mm -hmm. they were lost they were confused and they were going in a completely different direction and hadn't figured out yet that they were going in the wrong direction so back in black um forget (laughs) it ken yeah and just to say i i would not i'm not such a kiss fan that i would say yeah unmasked is better than back in black as like back in black is one of my favorite all-time albums um so and it yeah it it kills it's a great album um while unmasked is okay you know it's not one of my favorite kiss albums uh there's you know obviously they lost their way a little bit there um but i think some of these other matchups that we're going to see coming along here are more even a little bit more evenly mashed in in, to a degree (laughs) uh and we'll see you know who we pick on those yeah, yeah. Ni- 1980. I mean, I-, I just want to read off some of these albums that were released. Uh, we've had Ace of Spades mentioned, British Steel, yeah. he- Heaven and Hell, Black Sabbath, mm-hmm. Blizzard of Oz, mm-hmm. Iron mm-hmm. Maiden, uh, <laughs> Witch Find, Give Them Hell. Women, yeah. women and Children First. Yeah, Macaulay oh, Schenker yeah. Group. You know, after he, he didn't work out with mm-hmm. Aerosmith, he went Duke, and did Genesis. his Ready and Willing. Great, fantastic. Um, White Snake album, Permanent Waves. Dead Kennedys, yeah. mm-hmm. Bad Reputation, Lover Boy. I, I oh, mean, yeah. Peter Gabriel Three, Queen, The Game. Now that's interesting. But I think the comparison right. between ACDC and Kiss is pretty inter- interesting because they went so separate ways. Kiss tried to follow the trends, ACDC never did. 
They no. almost released the same album year after year. Stayed on their own last Twenty yeah. years. <laughs> so, so I'm just wondering, Mark, you as a, as a musician, would you have preferred Kiss to stay with the, let's say, Harder Than Hell, just um, the Kiss album, the first album, Harder Than Hell, that sound all the way through the career, or do you enjoy the way they, you know, follow trends and try to put out? different sounding albums you know this is an interesting question because one of my favorite well my favorite band in the world is rush and rush has been yeah, a band that has went throughout their career changing their sound they started out sort of led zeppelin-ish then they started getting a bit more proggy then really proggy then they kind of toned it down a little bit more commercial then they went heavy on the keyboards and they stripped the keyboards like they did a bunch of stuff and they they were constantly changing that was the whole true definition of a, of a progressive band now uh, like ACDC has written the same record probably since the start, you know, with little modifications here and there. Uh, and Kiss, when they came out with their albums at the beginning, you know, a lot of people dug their music from the beginning, the first three records, especially. I mean, the first album is a classic, right? It just doesn't sound very good. And then that was solved by Alive, which showed that those songs are fantastic. But in a live environment, they really showed their, you know, their their strength, right? So with them... It's kind of difficult because on one hand, you want to go with the, with the music that brought you to them, right? And that was the music that I got into, that, you know, and Lick It Up as well. Like, if you Lick It Up was what right around the time when I really started getting serious into music when I was younger, right? And if you think about it, I think somebody even on this stream even said once that Lick It Up was like almost like a sister record to another, to one of the older records. Uh, but yeah, Love Guns. Yeah, so so there's that similarity with it, right? But you know, look what happens when when Kiss tries to go off the beaten track. I mean, they do the Elder, and it's not good. You know, people don't respond to it well. You know, they do Destroyer, which is just horrendous, and that that you know, people responded not well with it at the beginning either. They no. responded better with it later, right? As we all know, and that's proof. There's lots of evidence of that that that's true, right? But you know, would I have preferred that they stayed? With the way that they were, well, you know, I love rock and roll over. If they continued their career writing songs along that lines, I don't think I would have been too disappointed with it, you know, because that's the thing. I had a lot of other bands I listened to as well that I could, if I needed something different, like something more progressive, I would go to a different band. I wouldn't expect it from Kiss, you know. I, I think I enjoy the the. I like the way they did it. Different styles, different eras. Uh, that way I can find anything I would like to listen to in the KISS catalog. Um, but I can't, I can't uh, argue against putting out Rock and Roll Over each and every year, you know, a version of that that would be pretty cool as well. Yep, but that's what some KISS fans would have wanted, the same album over and over and over. Mm. Let's move into 1981 because it was clear that 1980 was a complete mismatch. 1981 gets a little bit easier. Ken, what did you select to go up against music from The Elder? I, on this one, I selected uh, Moving Pictures by Rush, Mark's favorite band, of course. Um, because both albums are, I would be considered uh, the progressive side of uh, rock. I think The Kiss is kind of progressive, The Elder. And then uh, moving pictures, and and here's Lonnie, by the way. Um, hey, Lonnie. Hello. What's up? <laughs> Hello. I didn't think oh, I Lonnie. Merry Christmas. Bullshit. Merry Christmas. 
that's why so I didn't reply to the scan. That's why I didn't reply all week because I didn't think there's any. Chance. So you had to go to work, I guess. Yeah, I, I got a freaking no. Every one of my friends and family is <laughs> off this week except for me. <laughs> that it's, a, it's goddamn insane how you do there. I have Merry twenty. Yeah. yeah, I had twenty days off. Huh. I don't like people oh, brag. Ladies right. and gentlemen, would everyone like to fucking socialist? <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. so uh, getting Lonnie up to speed, we yeah. just uh, determined that unmasked is better than back in black. No, <laughs> no. I gotta so go. let's move on. <laughs> I gotta go back to work. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Ken's yeah. just uh, setting up 1981, which is going to be music from the Elder versus uh, an album Mark doesn't like very much. I, don't like. I, I, I love moving pictures. Let, let, let me let me just get my opinion out of the way right now. <laughs> okay, here we okay. go. So, so, moving pictures is by far one of their strongest records of all time. It's not my number one Kiss, uh, Kiss Rush record, but it is definitely the record that made Rush a household name. Uh, the record that they did the one of their longest tours on had some so many fantastic singles off it. Tom Sawyer, Limelight. You know, uh, the, the Red Bar Shadow, YYZ, there's so many stuff. Side A is like a complete classic, just beginning to end. I mean, the whole album is fantastic, you know. And Music from the Elder is just another complete mess by our good friend Bob Ezrin, you know. And, and it's just not... To put, this, to put this in the same category is a complete insult to Rush, you know. It's just absolute garbage compared to what Rush put out. I mean, t- Terry Brown really, mm. if, if you were to compare it just by producers, t- I'm telling you, Terry Brown would have put B- Bob Ezrin over his over his knee and completely slapped the hell out of him in production skills at that point, okay? It, total, that album is much better, m- just way better tunes written. And to me, there's absolutely no contest at all in this. Hmm. <laughs> well... I think I just messed things up. Why? What? What did you do? Yeah, I did you do? Yeah, this. Yeah. What's wrong? I'm just audio in the middle of the show. So, uh, yeah, moving versus moving pictures. I mean, I, I just want to read off some of the other albums that were released in 1981: High and Dry, Fire of a Madman, Too Fast for Love, For Those About to Rock. Yeah, Point of Entry. Now that's one that I think it could go up against more fairly. Fair warning. Yeah. Fire of Unknown Origin. No way it's going anywhere near that. Um, come and get it. White Snake. That's, you know, kind of here nor there. Um, but moving pictures is kind of perfection in form. So mm. th- there's mm. no way that the Elder gets anywhere near that for me, Ken. Yeah, well... I picked Moon because, again, you know, progressive kind of thing because I think the Elder is somewhat progressive. Um, not as in the, in the you know, Rush progressive uh, league, I guess. But uh, for me, I, you know, I, <laughs> I, I like the Elder. I like the Elder better than Moving. I, I think Moving Mysteries is a great album. But the Elder is just so unique, I guess, for Kiss, of course. But uh, yep. I like the music on it. I like the music on the Elder. I just, I think it's really cool, and I've listened to it a bunch more times than Moving Pictures. Now, back in the day, Rush back then was like my number two band, right behind Kiss. 
they've but they've fallen off for me. They're kind of now probably in the you know I don't know what you know above five or somewhere between five and ten for me. Um, but back then I was I my I think the you know quintessential rush stuff is like you know hemispheres and and that sort of stuff. Twenty one twelve. I mean that's that's the stuff that. I thought was the greatest rush stuff. So they kind of fell off for me shortly after, you know, a couple albums after, probably after Grace Under Pressure, they kind of fell. They really fell off. They really did. Um, But uh, I think The Elder is better for me, at least for me, of course. (laughs) You know, it didn't sell anything. It didn't make a hit. It didn't really do anything. But I like it. I like The Elder. I've, I've always liked it. Yep. Even from the beginning, I thought it was a strange thing, you know, I was hearing, but I enjoyed it. I really did. Some, like did. Sometimes I wonder, is there a Kiss album that you dislike? I know. Is there any? Well, I picked Back in Black over. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but you mask. still love Unmasked. Is there? No, there's albums that I don't care for too mm-hmm. much. I mean, that, but The Elder's not one of them. I think Crazy Nights, I don't care to, for, you know, too okay. much for. And Hot in the Shade, maybe. Even yeah. Paul Stanley would have picked Back in Black over Unmasked per his... Uh, <laughs> I don't know. His favorite albums <laughs> no in the Kiss way. catalog are Unmasked and Music from the Elder. I guess he forgot about Carnival of Souls. Mm. Well, if I can go next, I have, to, I have to say Rush never impressed me. Uh, Rush was never big over here. Um, first time I saw Geddy Lee... I, w- I thought about my old high school teacher uh, trying to look cool with a bass guitar. It didn't work. Uh, when I heard him sing, mm, didn't like the way he sounded. He sure as hell was no Paul Stanley. And uh, the thing I enjoyed most watching a Rush concert online or listening to an album was the drumming, of course, uh, when oh. Neil Peart or Pert, however Peart. you say it. Yeah, there's different verse. Some some say it one way and some say it the other way. But Peart, I think, is yes. how you say it. Yeah, and uh, his drum solo is actually the one thing I enjoy when when uh, watching a Rush yeah. concert. And I never got the, the Rush thing. So even though The Elder is one of my least favorite Kiss albums... I have to vote for the elder. Sorry, Mark. You guys are insane. Yes, <laughs> probably. Perfect. But I never got through that album. I never got through that Rush album. Podcast. You start off with some some strange keyboard thing. Tom Sawyer is like that. one of the most known songs like ever. Yeah, from I Rush. hate it every time Sebastian Bach <laughs> does his cover of Tom Sawyer. It's just a waste of time. Oh, play, you, play, Bach, play, 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 play Youth Gone Wild and, and yeah, you other have no stuff. business doing but, a Rush song. Okay? No, because it sucks. Please. It's better than any Skid Row song that was ever put out. Oh, my goodness. Okay, Lottie. Lottie. You're up, Lottie. Impress uh, me. Come on. I'm not a big Rush guy either. Oh, here we go. Here we go. So, you know, and I've tried. And and, and I've kept my... Yeah, honestly, I know Mark. I we all know Mark's a big Rush guy. You know, yep. Canada, the whole the Canadian. whole thing. And um, <laughs> um, I I I never have been able to get into Rush. The radio station here plays the the hell out of Rush, like way 
too damn much. And Austin, who's on the chat here, I know he can agree with me. They play Rush like it's the latest and greatest thing. Yeah, but which uh, do they play a lot of Rush songs or do they play the same Rush song a lot? They play like a lot Tom of Sawyer. Rush songs. They, they play Tom Sawyer, but they play a lot of Rush songs. And St. Louis, I tried, right? I, yes, yes, sir. It's KC95 in St. Louis, KC Kite Festival. See, awesome. ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. So I've tried over the years. I have a couple Rush albums, and I've thought, I, well, you know, I can get into it. Um, and I, I I can't. So as much as I've, I have tried, um, The Elder takes the prize for me. Now, had had we put up something other than, than Rush against the elder you know if we had put up diary of a madman or something like that i would have picked diary of a madman hands down i absolutely love that album um and i think there's a lot of other cool things going on in 1981 also with too fast for love and for those about the rock um among others but in this case in this comparison i'm definitely taking music from the elder sorry mark and by the way those big 1980s Russia albums are a hard listen for you, for you. <laughs> yeah, hold, hold your fire. Yeah, I love that album. Yeah, we did a podcast on that once. Remember, or was that we Presto? Did it on Presto, yeah. Oh, we'll I have to go back. I think we should do some of the mid nineteen eighties albums then, because that'd yeah. be interesting. Oh, All right, let's do seventies. Yeah, yeah, let's let's move forward into nineteen eighty two. Some of the other albums that were released that year include Screaming for Vengeance, Number of the mm. Beast, Black mm. Metal by Venom, Blackout. Um, Let's see. Diver Down, Straight Between the Eyes, Rainbow, Speak of the Devil. Oh, it's one of my all-time favorite live albums. Talk of the Devil for Europeans. Uh, Under the Blade, Twisted Sister. Yeah, that was a good um, one. I'm, I'm kind of cherry-picking here. Yeah, mm. Merciful Fate. Mm-hmm. So there's some pretty strong competition right there. Number of the Beast, Creatures of... Um, Creatures of the night, um, screaming for vengeance, and the scorpions. What did you match us up against, Ken? Uh, so for creatures of the night, our matchup is screaming, screaming for vengeance by Judas Priest. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a really really. It's a little more of a even, semi even, mm-hmm. you know, matchup. I think. Let's see what Mark thinks first, because that's about as far as yeah. way you can get from Rush. Yeah, I mean, I, I, obviously, I like both bands. I mean, I lo- obviously, I love Kiss and I love Judas Priest. Um, the thing with Judas Priest, and I'll and I'll be upfront about this from the very beginning. Judas Priest was a band that fell into this formula. Shit album, good album. Shit album, good album. Shit album, good album. Yeah, that, that you know, they, they would do like point of entry, which was garbage, and then they would do like a better record. Then they, you know, they, they always had that kind of thing in there going on. There was, they had weak records. Come on, like Ram It Down is a horrible record. Okay. But hmm. say, yeah, that's like the worst thing that they ever put to, to tape. Yeah. Hmm. And, and same thing with like Turbo was like, come on, that was just lame. Okay. But then when they did like, Painkiller. I mean, all bets are off. That that album is like unbelievable. Yeah, and, and same same with British Steel. I love British Steel. Didn't like Point of Entry. You know, I, I like Screaming for Vengeance. Defenders of the Fate. Eh, it's okay, but it's not anywhere near as good as Screaming for Vengeance. Mm-hmm. Okay, they always had that kind of you know, let's do a really good record and let's just you know, phone one in for the next record. So for this competition here. 
Creatures of the Night has always been one of my favorite records. I've sung the praises of this album a lot on this podcast, not only because of the songs, but I think it has one of the best sonic productions I've ever heard on a record. It's unbelievable how this, this record sounds on a sound system, whether you know it's a normal sound system or a fantastic sound system. It sounds amazing, this album. Screaming for Vengeance, it's it's a good good album, but I find that this album sonically doesn't hold to, to creatures, in my opinion. It's it's a, the the guitars on it are a little smooth for my liking. Judas Priest really improved their guitar tone as they went later in their career. I always found that it was a little too, you know, borderline soft in spots their their tone, but. The, the the songs are great. I mean, you know, you know, you got another thing coming is great. You know, uh, Bloodstone is a great song. Electric Eye, all those things are really great on that album. But I think from overall, from if you were to go song to song, production, everything, I think Creatures is still a better record in my opinion. Lonnie, Screaming for Vengeance or Creatures? Screaming for Vengeance is good, and I like and I like Judas Priest. Um, and it's it's very good. It is one of their better albums. But Creatures is so damn good. And this is a Kiss podcast. I'm not going to not pick Creatures of the Night. Come on. <laughs> I mean, there have to be a, there 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 wouldn't be many things that I could put up against Creatures of the Night, 1982 or not, that I'm not going to pick Creatures of the Night. I mean, that album is so damn good. The the band sounds like it freaking should. It's heavy. It's in your face. It's everything a Kiss album should be. It even has a power ballad mixed in the middle of it. It is It is literally everything a Kiss album should be. Um, it's heavy. It's And the songs are just damn good. It's, it's an easy slam dunk pick. It's Creatures. Daniel. I do enjoy a lot of songs on on uh, the Judas Priest album, like Electric Eye, uh, Screaming for Vengeance is of course good, and you've got another thing coming. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have to say that Painkiller is my go-to Judas Priest album. I think that's my favorite. This is a good album, uh, uh, one of the better ones, um, but. It, Hey man, against Creatures of the Night. Creatures of the Night is probably the best sounding Kiss record of all time in my ears, to my ears. And um, you know you can't compete with Creatures of the Night. I love it loud, killer. I still love you. Is you know Kisses. Um, nothing else matters. It, it, it's such a great song. Uh, even though I'm, I don't really care for power ballad, but power ballads but this one is so so great and the singing from paul stanley is awesome and even though they used a, a, a lot of guest musicians they really managed to put out one of the best albums ever so creatures of the night beats screaming for vengeance for me yeah creatures of the night for me and it's i play the Hellion Electric Eye. That's like my go-to guitar jam because mm-hmm. I just love powering through that rhythm. Um, yeah. And I can even do one of the solos. Um, not very well. I'm probably playing it in the wrong key because little stumpy fingers. I gotta, I gotta play where I can play on the board. Um, but to me, Screaming for Vengeance is a really good album, but it has far more filler for my tastes 
than Creases of the Night doesn't have any filler for me. They have one or two songs that I, I think are kind of, you know, dialed in, but nothing that is as dialed in as Pain and Pleasure um, and Devil's Child. Mm. To me, Screaming for Vengeance is really about probably four songs, and that's Electric Eye, Screaming for Vengeance, and You've Got Another Thing Coming. The rest of it, Riding on the Wind. Yeah, I better that's add good, that one that's in. That's a good one. I, yeah, better add that yeah, in. That's a good one. But Creatures of the Night is just a powerhouse. I mean, that's a V8 with every cylinder firing and the production of it, whether it's the original two reverb 1982 or the remaster, it's just power. Ken? Yeah, I mean, Screaming for Vengeance is my favorite Judas Priest album. And I, I think eight out of the ten songs are fantastic. Eight are really, really good. But it, it, it's not going to beat Creatures of the Night. Uh, Creatures of the Night was the big comeback album after The Elder, and and uh, and song, you know, styles of music. That, you know, they just turned, they turned the left turn with The Elder, and then they. Kind of right of themselves again, finally on uh, Creatures of the Night, and Creatures of the Night is great too. Um, I would say nine out of the ten, or eight out of the nine songs on Creatures of the Night are all you know fantastic, and like Mark said, the production of that really puts it over the top um, with the drums and everything else, the separation of instruments and so on. It's just great. Um, so Creatures of the Night wins for me. Yeah, who said Ram It Down sucks? Go listen to that again. I, d- I completely disagree with that. Ram It um, Down is and, horrible. And, it was Mark. And I can't believe way, it was Mark. Yeah. <laughs> by, by the way, my favorite priest album is Stained Class by a mile. So Which one? Sorry? Stained Class. Stained Class. Oh, Stained Class. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Um, but, I mean, my other guitar, I mean, I can play most of British Steel um, rhythm again, but... Mm fucking great albums all right let's move on into 1983 ken set it up so we have (laughs) so we have lick it up coming out after creatures of the night and that is going to go up against def leopard's pyromania (laughs) yeah (laughs) is that funny no, I yeah, don't think it, it's funny. It, it, it is funny. Those are, I think it's a close call. I think it what? Okay, I gotta yeah. go first. Okay. Yeah. There we go. So so this here is another example of a heavyweight against a middleweight, in my opinion. Yeah. Because because Lick It Up is one of those records where I was a little disappointed. I mean, after the Creatures of Night, you were thinking that you know if they were smart, they would have continued down that track, at least for another record, and they and they didn't. You know the, the 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 sonics of it is not that good compared to creatures, and th- let's face it, the back half of that album is pretty weak. Okay, on the eighth day, and all those songs are just not good. Okay, on that on that album, but Def Leppard's Pyromania. I mean, the only strike that that album has, in my opinion, is I don't know why the hell well, I do know why, but I just wish that Mutt Lang wouldn't have put those stupid drums on that he put on there, those electronic drums. If he would have, would have kept it with the regular drum kit, okay, and just let Rick play it with the standard acoustic kit, that album would have been a classic, like a total 10 out of 10. I mean, the, the songs on this album, I mean, I, ironically, I listened to this album just like a, a day or two ago. I mean, everything from the opener, Rock, Rock, Till You Drop, Photograph, 
you know, there's everything on here is great. Stage fight, too late for love is one of the great openings on that. That guitar riff at the beginning is so good on that. You know, Die Hard the Hunter, one of the most underrated songs in my opinion. There, Cal, I love that song. You know, in in Rock of Ages, I mean, that was all over much music here when when that was out. I mean, the, this this album to me is what. Reminds me of my teenage years. This this album is such a great record, and you know while while I think you know Lick It Up has some great songs on it as well. Exciter is good, Lick It Up is good, Not for the Innocent is really good, but it just doesn't stack up song to song to me. Not even close, in my opinion. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> really? You guys are like I think you guys I think you guys need to get your hearing checked or something here. <laughs> okay. Let 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 me educate you. Uh and this just remember, Pyromania didn't do that well in Britain. Um that doesn't mean anything. Pyro- Pyromania has just as much filler on it that you've just described afflicting lick it up. Um Billy's got a gun. Action mm-hmm. not words, coming under fire. Um, there are several very good songs on that album, but Pyromania is a massive step down in the wrong direction from High and Dry, particularly because of the production and what Mutt did to their still mm-hmm. two-armed drummer. He neutered the sound and the backbeat of that band, and a lot of that stuff could have been way better with High and Dry-type drums, because if you listen to the production I on High and Dry... That. yeah. Then that's a massive check mark against it versus Lick It Up, which is a continuation and a slight smoothing. It's got the smoothing pedal applied. Slight smoothing? <laughs> the production is not pedal. anywhere near as good. Come on, man. It's not no, anywhere near as good. It is still very good. And the songwriting and performance is extremely good on Lick It Up. Lick It Up for me by a mile. And it's a no brainer. Lonnie. Um, is there a producer that Mark does like? <laughs> I like Mutt Lang. Russes, I'm just saying, Russes, I just wish that he wouldn't have just changed the drums. That's the only thing I said. All right, I love just, that I'm album. I'm just asking. Just, I, and I'm not trying to think on you, Mark. It's just... Yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> Mark does have a problem with producers. So. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think there's plenty of good songs on the second side of of lick it up. I don't, I don't think that's a, a fair statement at all. Um, I think, I think a million to one is a, is an excellent song that that's, that's on the B okay. side. Of, and then what? Of lick it up. And I think all hell's bla- breaking loose is fun too. I don't, I don't, I don't. Okay. Yeah. I like that. And song. kiss songs ever. Okay. Well that's two of the songs. That's two of the five. We're a third of the way there. Um, and I know and I know that Daniel's gonna tell me fits like a glove is a pretty damn good song also. Mm-hmm. Now we're over halfway there that over half of these songs are pretty good. Now, I will give you that dance mm. all over your face and on the eighth day, mm. those are a little bit lesser and they are a little but however, but as I let you talk, I didn't interrupt you, Mark, when you were talking. <laughs> and um oh. also, as Julian pointed out, that there's plenty of filler on Pyromania as well, and if we're going to say two of the two of the songs on the B side on the second side of Lick It Up aren't as good as the others, okay, that's fine. I'll I'll give you that. But and Pyromania is good. There there are good songs on there, but for me, the songwriting on on Lick It Up is now. I wish the sound of it sounded more like Creatures, but I think the songwriting on Lick It Up is some of the best songwriting on 
almost any Kiss album. And for a lot of Kiss fans, it's their favorite non-makeup Kiss album. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of Kiss fans. It's not mine. Not we you. Not you. Not me. And that's fine. <laughs> but for me, it's it's definitely it's definitely Look It Up. Nice. Mark, would you like to argue? No. Daniel. <laughs> no. No, I'm not going to argue why. Already made no, my no. point. Well, I think Pyromania has a lot of good songs on it. Fulin is one of my favorites. Rock of Ages is a cool song. Photograph is a cool ballad. But I have to second Lonnie. I think Lick It Up is a good album if you don't count the two last songs. They are the only fillers on Lick It Up. I can find plenty of fillers on on the Def Leppard record. And also, I think the production... I mean, this is all that was wrong with the the 80s. I mean, it's so dated. I think Lick It Up still holds up. But I think Pyromania, when I listen to Pyromania, some of the sounds doesn't sound good to me. It's so 80s. Um, and uh, even though there are some great songwriting on this album, I have to go with Lick It Up because, you know, Fits Like a Glove, Exciter, <laughs> especially Fits Like a Glove, but Exciter and A Million to One, I mean, those are 10 out of 10 songs, uh, you know, uh, home runs. And and there are a few on Paramania as well, but uh, Def Leppard is you know, the symbol of the 80s to me is somewhat. Some of their albums are great, but I don't like the production. It's way overboard. It's 80s. This is not their worst sounding album, by the way, but uh, they kind of dropped the ball on this one, I think. Uh, still a, a lot of great songs. Yeah, Fooling fool, yeah, fool is my, my, my favorite on this album. I think it's such a great song, but um, I, I'll have to go with Lick It Up. All right, Ken. There's no tie to break. It seems to be it. Uh, oh, yeah, no, no. The world against uh, Mark today. I, I agree that, that Pyromania was a, a step down from, you know, High and Dry. High and Dry was like That's a, good a ten, 10 of 10 <laughs> record. It was, I mean, from beginning to end. Uh, Pyromania had about, eh, you know, five or six songs that are really, really good on it. Um, and I like that album. Uh, but I think Look It Up. I mean, Look It Up is my favorite Jesus 80s. Dated. Probably my favorite it, 80s Kiss album. You, you know what's interesting, though, about this I'm finding is that, this, this, of course, this is going to happen because we're on a, this is a Kiss podcast. You know, everyone's going to, of course, vote the Kiss yeah. albums. I mean, if you really think Not of it every. logically, the, the, if you were to ask this in a general music podcast, I don't think you would get the same results here. No, because, they I don't mean, have a clue. They don't have a clue. No, because I'm telling you, like, for example, but look at the, if we were just to do it strictly on numbers, which I know is not the way to do it, Pyromania sold like 15 times what Lick It Up sold. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter. Okay, but it doesn't matter to you because you're a Kiss fan. That's what I'm saying. If yeah, you're to right. do it- but, but Mark, what was your favorite album of 1983? And go look at what was released that year. Metal Health, Peace of Mind, Born Again. Uh, oh, yeah, this is Moon, not my Holy favorite Diver, album. Shout at the Devil, Melissa, For Merciful Fate. I mean, yeah, it, you can't stop not, rock are, and roll. Yeah, these are not my favorite records of 83. I'm just saying that it, right now, of course, it's making sense that Kiss is going to go on top because – 
you know, you guys, are, we're all diehard Kiss fans, but you're I also think, on the Kiss podcast, Mark. Well, yeah, I know. But that's what I'm saying. So this is not surprising <laughs> that they're going to outvote any of the other albums, even though realistically, probably in, an, in another sort of medium, it probably wouldn't happen. You know, well, we could do it like this. Good. Is there any album from '83 that we would put above Lick It Up? Yeah, uh, peace of mind, easy. Yeah, yeah, for you it's no problem. But I'm thinking Lonnie, Ken, and Julian. I'd say I'd probably put Eliminator above Lick It Up. That's one of my favorite CC Top albums, but uh, that's that's my pick. I'd, I'd put Shout Out the Devil above it. Yeah, Shout Out yeah. the Devil as well. Sorry. You would? That's a good album. Oh, oh hell yeah. I would not. I love Shout Out the Devil. But Ken, what? It's good. That one, I might even put Melissa above it as well, for that matter. That's that's a good album too. Yeah. So anyway, I might, I might push Shout the Devil up there too. I mean, you also had Bark at the Moon up there. There's a lot of filler on Bark at the Moon though. Shout the Devil has some filler on it for me. No, it doesn't. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry it does. But I look it up as is a better album than Shout the Devil. But that's just my opinion. I mean, yeah, that's, that's I, I love Look It Up. Like, like I said, you're entitled. Like I said, Look It Up is my favorite Kiss album yeah. of the '80s. Mm-hmm. It's one of their best albums uh, for that's me. It is. Great album. Uh, that's how good it is. Um, but that's that's me. Next, <laughs> take us forward. All right, we have next. Animal Eyes uh, yeah. came out in 1984, and uh, speaking of 1984, uh, Van Halen had the album named 1984. Um, so we're putting up. <laughs> Animalize against Van Halen, nineteen eighty four. Yeah. Some people don't like it. Uh, Van Halen, nineteen eighty four. Okay. Too much keyboards and stuff like that. Some people. But, uh, okay. Um, okay. Go well, ahead, Mark. Okay, I'll, I'll just get myself out of the way, and then you guys can go on about how great Animalize is for the next <laughs> half an hour. Okay. You don't know so, that. But this, you do not know that. <laughs> and in my opinion, this again is not even close to in any regard. I mean, Eddie Van Halen, for example, just being Eddie Van Halen. I mean, I think Mark St. John should be cleaning his shoes at this point. Okay, <laughs> so. Uh, I mean, the, the guitar playing is not even close to the same caliber of playing. I mean, Panama, Top Jimmy, A Drop Dead Legs. I, there's there's so many great songs on this. House of Pain, I love that song. You know, even oh, even Jump. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, what, what, and I've always 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 been a. I, I'm not afraid to say on this podcast that I love keyboards. Behold, I have a keyboard here, here. I love keyboards, okay? Except on the Destroyer. Yeah, well, that's piano. I don't love piano, okay? (laughs) So, now, anyways, uh, I'm saying that that, 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 even though there's keyboards on there, which is just essentially, what, three songs on there, I'll wait, jump, and the introduction, and that's it, as far as keyboards on 1984. The rest of it, to me, is just fantastic, I love Panama. It's one of my favorite songs to still play on guitar. Every time I hear it, I bust out the guitar and play it all the time. And I just think that that, to me, was one of the great songs on... I mean, Hot for Teacher as well. I mean, who didn't, when they hear that song, want to break out their guitar and start learning how to play that song? It's, it's drumsticks. That drum intro? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it's, it, it's it's such good. a great song. I mean, I, I've loved I've loved that album from beginning to end. And I never had an issue with the keyboards on it. So I, I, for me, 
Animal Lies has always been one of these records where, again, there's some great songs on it and there's some pretty weak songs on it. Okay, but I think that the that the ratio of good to bad on this is is not not even close in my opinion. In this, I mean, you can argue again all you want that is that Animal Lies is far better now than 1984, but I think that it's not. And you guys can go on now. Lonnie. You, you guys know how just great Animalize is from start to finish. <laughs> from start to finish. I'm, 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 I'm waiting to hear there, it, Lonnie. There are some highlights. But no, highlights. I will agree with Mark that Van Halen 1984 is a superior record um, this time. I, 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 can't, I can't compare Animalize to 1984. It is a fantastic album and one of... I. I I, I think it's great from. I think I think 1984 is great from start to finish. There's very little filler on 1984, in my opinion, and um, it, it's there's a lot of filler on on Animalize and a lot of throwaway crap songs and especially Gene songs. Gene's kind of checked out. Where I think Van Halen is really Hannibal Half for Teacher. Mark rattled off all the songs that are so good. Um, I'm 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 agreeing with Mark on this. It's 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 two two to nothing for Van Halen versus Animal Eyes. Wow, Daniel. Um, Ninety eight to four. I love that song Panama, but I always enjoyed a rock band that had a singer uh, that could belt it belt it out. You know, I grew up listening to Dio, uh, Kiss, Twisted Sister, and that sort of stuff. And the problem I always have had with early Van Halen is David Lee Roth's vocals. Uh, I can't go through an album with his vocals. I, I think they are too weak. I, I know he was a great frontman live, you know, doing all those kicks and splits and all that kind of stuff. But on record, I actually prefer Van Hager, you know, Sammy Hager. Uh, my favorite album is probably Balance I do too, from, but... I don't know, 90, when, Balance, 95 really? or something like that. Yeah, I, I really enjoy that album with, you know, um, <clears throat> or, or, what were the name of those songs? I Can't Stop Loving <laughs> You. You really love it, don't you? Yeah, I Can't Stop yeah, Loving You. But, but the Wham Bam Feel. Amsterdam, yeah. yeah, Wham Bam Feel. Amsterdam and all this stuff. And Take the sound back, of, and also the, and also the sound of the record, the really sharp guitars, and the keyboards are somewhat in the background. On this album, the keyboards are all over the place. And I don't know a song like "Jump," it's so dated to me. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, it's a classic, but but kind of gets boring. "Panama" is a good song, but that's the only song that stands out for me from this album. And against, you know, having some fire, I've had enough into the fire, um, under the gun, thrills in the night. Uh, and you do have some crap from Gene at the end of Animalize, much as you had on Lick It Up. But Burn Bitch Burn is such a cool riff. And I know you like that riff as well, Mark. Mm-hmm. But uh, so, so I have to go with Animalize. But I'm a kiss <laughs> dude, you know. <laughs> but, 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 but I think this album is so stuck in the 80s uh, while Animal Eyes still sound kind of cool. <laughs> yes, it does. Mm. One vote for Animal Eyes at least. Ken? 
<laughs> well, Animal Eyes has the masterpiece of Burn Bitch Burn on it. Um, <laughs> uh, it's, yeah, it doesn't hold up at all to Van Halen 1984, which is a, a great album from beginning to end, really. Um, even though it was a shock when I first bought that when it came out that you know the the keyboards and stuff was on a few of the songs and it was kind of weird you know but it was actually it it worked and it was good um so yeah the van halen album 1984 beats animalize you know know, pretty easily really for me um animalize again yes there was a couple of gene songs especially at the, the last couple at the end of the album were to me always unfinished, you know. Yeah. They were they were rushed type compositions, which they should have done a little bit more to it and tried to you know flesh it out a little more to make a better song of those two. Yeah, Josh, thank you for for flashing all those other great albums from 1984. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it it was a great time to be a rock fan or to yeah, be a budding yeah. rock fan and Hell discovering yeah. music through all that stuff coming out just a continuous stream. Um, 1984 versus Animalize. Animalize does have some very, very good songs on it, without a mm-hmm. doubt. Sure. But to put it up against 1984 for me is just impossible. 1984 does have Hot for Teacher. It does have Panama. It does have Top Jimmy. It does have. I love the the keyboard synth. You know, um, 1984 atmospheric. But then again, I like Intruder mm. leading into Pretty Woman on Diver Down as well. Love both those albums. 1984 as a package is just a stunning piece of work that is starting to shift in a direction that wasn't Van Halen. The synth clearly was an area where they went with 5150, which I can't stand. I hate that album with a passion. I have nothing good to say about 5150. Um, I actually threw the tape away after I bought it. Um, and that had nothing to do with that guy who thinks he's a singer. Because uh, I do like OU812. Um so there is really no comparison as much as I love Under the Gun or I've had enough Into the Fire and Heaven's on Fire. You, you can't put those pound for pound against any of the songs that keyboards. were. Yeah, keyboards. They're not the end of the world. Um, yeah. I, maybe. And that was a big problem with the, with the band. Songs. but. I mean, look what Dave Lee Roth <laughs> nah. comes back and does in 86. You know, he goes off and does big band stuff, basically, for Crazy from the Heat. Right. And then you've got stuff like Ladies Night from Buffalo, uh, Shy Boy. So he went in a completely different direction artistically as well from where they had been. They evolved. That's where the keyboards came in. And I got to ha- give them some credit for actually being willing to go there. I loved Jump when it came out. I really, really dug that song. And I loved it when friends would yeah. play it on a keyboard. It, it mm-hmm. was a riff that was as powerful as a guitar riff at the time, which was a very rare thing. Yeah. And to this day is a very rare thing to have, have something that is just so signature, you know, coming from a motif like that. So sorry, Van Halen. All right. Take his, uh, I got everyone, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Take us, into, take us into 85. This is going to be fun. 85. We have kiss uh, releasing asylum. Um, and going up, Kiss Asylum. I know we have a couple of asylum lovers here on this panel. Um, <laughs> going up against it is actually one that uh, Daniel chose. Um, Maris? Um, no, Theater of Pain by oh. Motley Crue. 
Well, uh, Daniel, get us started on that. Yeah, um, Theater of Pain, A5, Motley Crue had released, I think it was in 83, um, they released their great opus. Uh, but by 85, they were deep into drugs and had a hard time getting it together. And it shows on the album. Uh, even though it sold a whole lot of records over there in America, I think it's one of the crappiest multi-crew albums ever released. Um, I can't really listen to any of the songs. Uh, there's Smoking in the Boys' Room, such a silly, crappy song, I guess. That was the lead-off single. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's about all you remember from Theater of Pain. And so it doesn't stand a chance in hell against a great album like Asylum from Kiss. King of the Mountain, Tears of Falling, Who Wants to Be Lonely? You can go on and on. It's such a strong <clears throat> album from Kiss. And against one of the weaker Motley Crue albums, uh, it wins by a mile. So Asylum for me. I'm going to go next because I bought these albums on the same day at Kmart in 1985. Oh, really? Um, Because, again, just like the videos for Asylum got me into that band, the videos for Motley Crue got me into that band. And back in the day, I loved those. Looking back on them, Theatre of Pain is a weak-ass album. I've always said that if if Theatre of Pain had the guitar tone of Shout of the Devil... It would be a damn sight better, but the songs are still weak as hell. And Unfinished City Boy Blues is cool. Um, Louder Than Hell is cool. That's pretty good. But And Save Our Souls, you know. But the most part, there's not much there. The image was you thought was cool then. But 1985, and we've seen some of the other albums flashing by, Under Lock and Key, Invasion of Your Privacy. Um, what else uh, came out that year? Uh, Killing is my business. Last Command by Wasp. Hell, I take yeah. Last Command yeah, yeah. Um, as well. Done with Mirrors is one of my all-time favorite Aerosmith albums. I'll take that over Theater of Pain any day. So Asylum, hands down. Uh, just again, because of what it means to me, even though Theater of Pain technically <clears throat> means the same. Lonnie? Um, I think this is similar to comparison a few ones back with the with the death leopard thing where i think if you ask the general public i think you're going to get the the motley crew answer but asylum is a much better record than theater of pain theater of pain is you know out, outside of a couple it, it is a lot of that's a lot of filler where asylum does have you know the songs that daniel just just recited off it's really really good in a very underrated kiss album so for me it's it's definitely asylum also i, I think that's probably going to be the consensus across the board force but i think you know similar to what mark was saying earlier though i think if you were asked a general public i think that that theater of pain would win um are we a little biased sure but i think we're right though too theater of pain's double platinum oh, yeah mark right i think it's four times yeah. platinum yeah, so I mean, I think that, that this is going to go without saying that I, I love Asylum. It's one; it is my favorite non-makeup Kiss album. Period. Uh, I loved Motley Crue when I was in high school. I thought Shout the Devil was the shit. You know what I mean? It was an awesome album. You know, my friends and I had like the the the, the big star on our jean jacket in the back and stuff. So we were all about Motley Crue back in the day, and. 
but that, when that album came out, we were like looking at each other, like, "What the hell was going on?" Because we were, even though Kissed kind of did the shocking change of attire as well with the neon and all that stuff and the weird fingerless gloves and all that stuff. You, you, you know, what when Motley Crue did, they went from really, you know, black and looking cool to these really weird makeup and rouge on their face and all this stuff. It was really a bit of a shocker. And I mean, the, the, again, what Julian said about the songs, it, I have to echo completely that the, the songs are just terrible on that album. I mean, the, the you know, Smoking the Boys Room is a cover anyways. It's not even really their own song. But the the, the song that, and, and Nicky Six has had said this himself a hundred times, thank God they wrote Home Sweet Home, otherwise that record would have flopped, you know, because yeah. I think that's the only thing that saved them was that that song. I mean, that, that song was everywhere, on, and the video was played constantly on Much Music and MTV. So I think that that's what put it over the top. And you know they the, those guys were in La La Land on drugs at that point. So the, the, he, he, I remember reading his biography saying that he goes, if, if they didn't write that song, it's just like with with Girls, Girls, Girls. If they didn't write, you know, kicks. Uh, what's it called? Uh, what's that opener again? Uh, kicks. Not kicks. kicks wild no, uh, side. Wild side. That's it. Wild if they side. didn't write Wild Side and Girls, 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 that record would have flopped as well. You know. So they always lucked out with like a song or two around this period. But, you know, the Kiss song, the Kiss songs on this album are just fantastic from beginning to end. I mean, even the Gene stuff is really strong on this album. Yeah. I've said it before. You know, I, I really like the songs that Gene did on this album. So to me, it's not a really any competition. I think it's a pretty lucky album for Motley Crue in the sense that they survived it compared to a really, really well-recorded record and well-written record by Kiss. I think Kiss remasters films says a, a good thing here. Like Twisted Sister, you know, Twisted Sister released Day Hungry, such a great album, much like Motley Crue did with Shout of the Devil, and then they completely dropped the ball. In the mm. next mm -hmm. album. Oh, that was Come Out and Play for Twisted yeah. Sister. God, yeah. that was a pretty bad album. Yeah, yeah, they had one or two songs, but it was awful. Yeah. Ken, come over to the asylum. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, uh, I'm going to enter the asylum. Um, theater of Pain, I remember buying that when it came out, and I was so disappointed after it was just those two songs. The rest of it was pretty much crap. Um, it, I, would, I would say the, the Theater of Pain is kind of like Kisses Animalize. I mean, even Animalize is better than Theater of Pain, you know. Um, Way way better than Theater of Pain. Yeah. Um, the only reason that sold anything was the you know uh, Home Sweet Home, and I'm sure a lot of people bought it and they got home and and listened to it and like they played it maybe a couple times and that was it because and they skipped everything else they just kind of went straight to the track of Home Sweet Home uh, because the rest of it it was. I don't know. It was it was not good. <laughs> it was not good. So I don't even have that in my collection of Motley Crue vinyl. So Asylum wins for me. Well, I'm glad uh, no one. Well, I'm glad Kiss didn't release an album in 1986 because nothing's touching Tesla's mechanical resonance for me. <laughs> uh -uh. Nothing getting anywhere near that album. That is just one of the most perfect albums ever. Though I just did hear another album from 1986 for the very first time. Mark Sword. Metalized came out hmm. that year. 
That is absolutely stunning as well. All right, Ken, 87. 87. We have um, Kiss with their slick Crazy Nights album. And it's going up against a not-so-slick album. Uh, Appetite for Destruction by Guns N' Roses. And we have one big Guns N' Roses fan here on this panel. So Crazy Nights. These are very two different types of albums, obviously. Kind of like what we did Unmasked and Back in Black. Those are very, very different in sound and style. Um, so mm. what would you pick? Well, can I go first? Yes. Oh, please. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I've, I've never been the biggest fan of Crazy Nights, but it does have one of my favorite songs on there with Turn On The Night. It's, I think it's a great song. I've always loved that song. And, you know, the, again, this, that this is one of these albums where if there was a different guy behind the mix of it maybe would have sounded different but they they went with nevison as the producer because they wanted that sort of sound that you know the ultimate sin and the heart thing they wanted to follow that success that he did with them and you know it it didn't work out so well for them you know they were you know a, a year late with it you know but appetite for destruction i'll never forget when that album came out i mean the, that album reignited the love of Marshall amplifiers and Gibson Les Pauls, that album. And, and, and it, and it brought back the whole sort of image that, you know, being a sort of grungy beer drinking, whiskey drinking band, that's, you know, half out of it sometime is cool again. You know, that, that whole image, you know, they were like the second coming of Aerosmith or the second coming of like the early Rolling Stones. These guys, they were like back to basics rock and when they played on stage, you didn't know what the hell was going to happen, if they were going to survive the whole show or not, you know, if Slash would be able to stay on his feet the whole night. And that's what was so cool about it back then, you know, that's, you know, because we were so used to overproduced and overpolished stuff by that point in the 80s that to hear an album like Appetite for Destruction come out, it was like, wow, it was just unbelievable to hear that. I've, I've always said that Appetite is a great album. I've always loved that album, and I've even, I even love Illusions as well. I think that they did some great stuff on there too. Maybe not as raw on, the, on those two albums, but I think Appetite for Destruction definitely re-kick-started a whole generation of people back into raw no bullshit rock and roll. Okay, Lonnie. Guns and Roses oh. or Crazy Nights. <laughs> I, I don't think it's fair to put Crazy Nights <laughs> up against one of the greatest albums of all time. Um, and and I don't think that many people will, will disagree with by calling it that. And so it, put it up against Love is for Suckers, is that what you're saying? Right. <laughs> I mean it's 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 not fair. It's it's so damn good from start to finish. Um, and like like Mark said, it's just it's just it's just sleazy blues based rock, and it was just a breath of fresh air in 1987. Um, to what was popular, not that not that what was popular was bad. It just it just took what was popular to a new direction, and it caused a lot of bands to want to imitate that because it was so big and so huge and so powerful, and still is to this day. I mean. You, you turn it on now, it still sounds as fresh and as good and as 
I mean, j- just just as big of a masterpiece now as it ever was. So you talk about two bands, two rock albums that are in completely different directions. And I'm sure this is what you guys talked about with Unmasked versus Back in Black at the beginning of the show. Like two bands just going in completely different directions. Um, one nailing it and one trying to chase a trend and falling well short of the mark with the production. So it's it's easily appetite. In 1987, I listened to White Snake more than I listened to Crazy Nights. I listened to Permanent Vacation more. Mm-hmm. I listened to The Cult Electric more. I listened oh, yeah. to Back it, Back for the Attack, Dokken more. Um, and Def Leppard Hysteria more. And to this day, I'll listen to this more. Then even Appetite for Destu- Destruction that year. For me, Appetite really hit the following year. So mm-hmm. um, I've got to go with it because I'm, there's no way in hell, as much as I love Turn on the Night, Turn on the Night is not strong enough on its own to go up against Appetite for Destruction. That's yeah. just complete <laughs> and utter lunacy. It mm-hmm. almost would have been better to put uh, Crazy Nights up against uh, something. I mean, this is like Back in Black versus Unmasked again. It, mm-hmm. It's like such a an unbalanced matchup that it's unfair to pollute appetite for destruction's greatness with kisses crazy nights um so maybe it should be going up against frelly comet um but that isn't going to be a very easy one either so appetite for destruction daniel i think the the main thing with appetite for destruction was that it felt real you know for a long time bands tried to act tried to be someone they were not had these big uh, hair hairstyles and everything and when Guns N' Roses came along with this record it felt real uh, they were meaning business uh, and you could see it in the, in the live shows you could mm-hmm. hear it on the records uh, they were all in they were real much like the early Norwegian black metal scene, if you remember, then the expression real was a thing. You had to believe in like Satan and yeah, yeah. You, you had to burn the churches and it all went wrong and overboard, but it almost went overboard for the drummer in Guns N' Roses. He almost killed himself on, on drugs, you know, living the rock and roll dream. So uh, for some time, I, at, at one point I thought this band won't last because they are really doing it that they're not acting like most of the other bands you know you know they they had all these chicks in the videos but you you kind of understood that they were paid to be there and but Guns N' Roses felt real and it came from the heart and it was raw and I guess it was the, the jab that opened up for for Nirvana and all the other bands you know, it was the jab, and then Nirvana was the right hand that completely knocked out the 80s scene, uh, and it was all over. Um, but this album is, this Guns N' Roses album is one of the best of, of the 80s, of course, and uh, original, and uh, so you have to go with that album. I wish I'd seen Guns N' Roses back in the day with Zodiac yeah. Mind Warp opening for mm. them, or Guns N' Roses opening for Aerosmith. Ken, I thought probably that. did. <laughs> I did. I saw that one. Uh, then open for Aerosmith. So anyway, that was great. <laughs> um, so yeah, Crazy Nights was a mistake. Another mistake. Following trends. I think it was because of Paul Stanley's jealousy of John Bon Jovi 
and how the success of the of hits their music was and he wanted to try to get that same success um and that was a wrong you know bad decision to to you know change the styling and try to go away from what was worked what worked on the asylum um <coughs> it was just a big mistake and guns and roses i remember hearing welcome to the jungle for the first time on my you know car radio i'm like i just sat up in my seat and was like what the heck man this is who is this this is great you know and i once I heard that it was you know, Guns N' Roses, I immediately went out and bought you know bought the record, um, and it was great from you know beginning to end, like Lonnie said. So um, yeah, it was dangerous. It was raw. It was just great, great rock and roll. And Kiss was just not great rock and roll. There's a couple of good songs on there, as we know, catchy tunes, but it's. It's not Kiss. That's not Kiss. If you think about it, that, that album's not Kiss. Um, and it shouldn't be Kiss. It should be someone else, like Bon Jovi well, I mean, or whatever. Well, no, it, it, it was Kiss. I mean, there's lots of elements yeah, of Kiss well, in it. It, 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 was just, it was just, no matter how good it was, then it's, it wouldn't have mattered. It just, after, after yeah. time, it was just much more stronger. Yeah. It was, it was Paul Stanley's decision to do that. Gene didn't like he didn't want to go that route. It was Paul Stanley's decision. And I, you know, that's another case. I blame Paul for some of their directions that they've done over the past, but yeah, it's, it's not a true kiss album in the sense, you know, dangerous, hard rock. It's not, it's not that. I love the, the way Gene started ice skating when the keyboardist started playing during sound checks for Kiss. <laughs> that was so funny. Oh, moving on from Appetite for Destruction, which is Sonic Vi- Viagra, to Hot in the Shade. Okay. okay Hot in the Shade, which uh, everyone I can't knows. believe you put this up against that album. Yeah, this one I chose. I mean, the last one was, uh, I think, uh, Daniel's picks uh, pick the last one, last couple. But uh, this one, I put it up against Aerosmith, Pump, uh, that album, uh, Hot in the Shade. It's hard to put it up against anything really uh, Hot in the Shade <laughs> that year, to tell you the truth. But uh, might as well, I thought I'd choose Aerosmith since, you know, uh, Joey. You could put uh, it up against White Lions, guy. The Big Game. Have a it would have a chance well, that, there. It could have done something, but yeah. yeah, but nobody cares about that. Anyway, Aerosmith Pump. Daniel. Well, uh, Aeroth, Aerosmith, they were on the comeback trail, and uh, this was uh, a big hit over here. Uh, that album was played all over the place. Uh, it wasn't the same case when it comes to Hunt in the Shade. I think I really I missed when it was released actually because there was no media, no one cared, uh, and when I heard it, I thought, "What the heck is this?" And much like um, I think Mark mentioned that um, the ballad saved Motley Crue, you know, sw- "Home Sweet Home." That was the case when it comes to Kiss in 1990 when they went on tour. The Ballad Forevers really opened the gates for them in order to be able to tour. Um, 
but that's in, not enough to make a great album. There are a few songs that are pretty cool, Rise to It, um, Betrayed, but there's a whole lot of filler and there's like no consistency through the album. You, it's all over the place. It's a mishmash. And, uh, you know, you just have to listen to the first song on Pump and you know it, it beats Hot in the Shade. Uh, Steven Tyler belting out Jung Lust, such a great song. And then, of course, you have a few great hits on that album as well. Janis Garagan is a great song, of course. Mm. I guess my favorite Aerosmith song is from the early records, uh, the one he plays, what's it called? He, he plays the piano. Dream on. Dream on. Yeah, Dream On. Probably top 10 song of all time. Such a great song, and yeah. still to this day, it blows my mind when he does that live. I remember seeing him and, and actually Slash from Guns N' Roses doing a rendition of that one a few years back, and it was uh, about the best thing I've ever seen. So, so Aerosmith's Pump beats Hot in the Shade by a mile. Mark? Yeah, I mean, I, I love Pump. I mean, that album, when I first heard it, I thought it was fantastic. And and I think we had an episode once when we talked about the albums that had the best one, two songs on it, like opener and then second track. I mean, you can't argue that this album has probably one of the best one, two punches with, you know, Young Lust and Fine. I mean, I, I think that's... And then right after that, you get Love in an Elevator. I mean, come on. Already, it's like such an amazing record. And the thing I love about Pump is that it, they had the urgency again in their playing and their writing. I mean, they, they, you could tell that they knew that they had to, you know, show that permanent vacation wasn't a fluke and that they had to step up and they really did so on this album. And, and, and I'll just end with this. If you want to love this album even more, I highly suggest you go on YouTube and look up The Making of Pump. There's a great documentary on it. And I, I've, I've, I've loved that documentary and that just watching it shows how much blood, sweat, and tears they put into making that record and how many arguments they had and fights with everybody from their A&R guy to their producer to within the band itself. So if you, if you love that album, check it out. It's really, really good. Yeah. So we have Guns N' Roses to thank for Pump because they wouldn't have made Pump without Appetite for Destruction. Mm -hmm. um, w without a doubt, you hear what they're doing with Permanent Vacation and then you hear the the shift and the similarities, but also the sonic differences and also more guitars, mm. lots more guitars. And that's a direct reaction to Izzy and Slash. Um, Hot in the Shade, I listened to an awful lot in 1989. I think probably between that pump and someone did mention Great Radio Controversy, where three albums that were in, in play continuously. But the problem with Hot in the Shade is it's got some very good songs but the production just is not there. So it can't really go up against um, an, an album that just has all the fat trimmed off it, like Pump. Pump mm. is so refined. They they were cutting shit off that. They had A, B, and C lists. And obviously I've got the volume two of Aerosmith coming out, which talks about that next year. Mm. Um, it doesn't compete because it wasn't trimmed. Hot in the Shade, circumstances dictated that that is what it was. Um, and back in the day, in 1989, I loved having 15 new Kiss songs to enjoy. Um, but I got to go with Pump. 
because that's just a, a really good reaction to being scared shitless by Guns and Roses. Monty? Um, yeah, it goes back to my point. Julian just backed up my point about Guns N' Roses that it changed music and it changed what bands wanted to do. And Pump is the perfect is one of the perfect examples of that. Um, like Julian said, you listen to Permanent Vacation, listen to that. I mean, it's it is a they're both good albums, but very very obvious that Aerosmith went a different direction for the for the follow up to that. And there are so many great songs on that. And we I think we we did a a look at rock and roll about Pump, didn't we? I know, yeah, we did I, one about, so. yeah. I know we did one about getting I think we, did. I think we might have done one yeah. about pump. Also. Yeah, we did pump, yeah. Yeah. Um, so. But I mean, what it takes and my girl and other side, JD's got a gun, love it, an elevator. I mean, Young Lost, I mean, man, that album is just stacked with good songs. And Hot in the Shade is not stacked with good songs. Just It's just stacked with songs. So um it, it's a it's an easy it's an it's very easy to, to to tell you which is the better album which one i'd ra- would rather listen to even even though this is a kiss podcast like we said earlier and the um pump definitely definitely wins this one i mean you can it, it, it's interesting going through these lists of what what kiss was doing versus what other bands were doing i in the 80s but, but pump is is far superior Yep. Ken. Yeah, the you know, Pump I liked a lot. Um the production was great. Uh I preferred the music of Permanent Vacation. Um I just wish that yeah, Permanent Vacation was produced like Pump was, you know. It, it would have been even better. Um but uh Behind the Shade is too too many demo-ish demo type songs. Not a number of songs are just there's just okay songs. They're not you know nothing fantastic about a lot of it. There's a few um, there that are really good, um, but then the rest is you know, you know could be filler. Um, again, that was an album that was way too long, way too many songs. It should have been cut down and, and worked on more, and then produ- and produced right. Um, it, it might have you know gotten better, and they probably still wouldn't have beaten Pump, you know, even you know fixing it. Um, so, yeah, Aerosmith Pump wins on that one. Yeah, and someone suggested we should have put Doctor Feelgood up against Hits, but I think the same applies to them. And I find Doctor yeah. Feelgood a horrendously overrated album in hindsight, other than you know Kickstart My Heart, really. Sure. Um, yeah, I I I just. It has not aged well for me, and I listened to it a lot back in the day. But you know what? With Aerosmith and Kiss, um, Aerosmith had two careers. Done with Mirrors is the same as the W. Um, Get Your Wings is kind of the equivalent of Permanent Vacation. Pump mm-hmm. is the equivalent of Toys. And then, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. obviously you go, go forward to Rocks and get a grip. And that that's how I kind of look at all those, that you have to do one to get to the next. Mm-hmm. KISS wasn't doing going for, going in any direction. KISS was all over, over the place, kind of like a drown, drowning man, unfortunately, during the 1980s, trying to put, catch a hold of this thread or that thread and just trying too hard in many cases and coming up short. When you look at the stuff that they do with Desmond Child, and then what Desmond Child does with other bands way more successfully, Desmond mm-hmm. Child made 
um, Bon Jovi. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I've got a a lot of respect for Kiss in the 1980s that they kept trying and trying into the 90s until they could play that reunion card. And respect primarily to Paul Stanley for keeping driving that car through all that years. It's very easy to put any of those albums up against anything that we've picked today to measure them against Mm -hmm. and to have them fail in those tests. But I'm, I'm really grateful that we've got all those albums to go back to because they're part of my soundtrack and there are songs on each of them that I really do love. All right. For sure. 90 minutes. Mark, you got me to do a long episode at the end of the year when I said I wasn't even sure that we're going to do an episode this week, but there we are. You know, that's that's a whole bunch of, you know, kind of silly matchups in some ways, but it's also a good way just to look back at all those albums again. I want to thank everyone who's taken the time to join us and to chime in with your with your contributions for other great albums that were released in those years. Go back. If you haven't heard some of those albums, go check them out. There's Music today may not be great for you, but there's a whole world of old music to go and discover or rediscover. And that's oh, yeah. the great thing about it. All you got to do, just push play. Nice little <laughs> reference there. Uh, ah, nice one. All right. So that's it. Happy New Year to everyone. We hope to see you back in 2024. We're going to keep doing this as long as it's still fun. Um, stay safe. Be happy. But for now, from Daniel, Lonnie. Mark, Ken, and myself, and everyone else who's been on the show. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Thank you for spending time listening to the Kiss FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the Kiss FAQ message board and discuss the topic we've broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again.